All right, Josh Smith here, my Flat Five Studios again. And uh, today's guest is a good friend. Uh, we've become friends mostly over the last few years. Honestly, I started seeing this guy play on Instagram at first and was just blown away by his musicality and playing. And then when we got to hang, I was just, you know, I just loved, loved him as a person, just a really genuine dude, sweet guy. And I felt like we got along well. Uh, I think he's one of the most interesting new voices we have in guitar playing and in music. He's a great composer. If you haven't heard his records, you should check them out. And on top of that, he's just an insanely great guitar player and gifted improviser. Uh, he's from Israel, but he lives in New York. Uh, everybody, please welcome my friend, Rodem Sivan. Wow, thanks, brother. That's a very, very warm welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, man. When I first saw you play, I was struck by, you know, the melody in your playing, the, the you know, the... <sighs> It's not compositional aspect to your improvisation, although it is like that. But, but just you know, the fluidity—it was like, yeah, obviously you play a lot of notes and you got a lot of knowledge, but it sounds really musical. Something about the way you play hit me in a way that not a lot of modern jazz guitar players hit me. You know what I mean? So, it made me mm -hmm. take notice right away. Like absolutely. Thank you. That's yeah. Thanks. That means a lot yeah, coming from you. <laughs> thanks, man. Well. So I ask everybody to start these interviews about their childhood upbringing when the guitar kind of enters the story. For me, I don't come from a musical family at all. So I was kind of just lucky that my dad got me a guitar. It was random, pretty much. How did it happen for you? You come from a musical family or, or how did the guitar no. end up in your hands? Yeah, I'm not coming from a musical family at all, actually. But like when I was really just a kid, I think when I was like two or something, my, um, I guess, kind of like, um, just like, uh, how do you call it, like kindergarten, you know, kind of like person there. Uh, so she, it was a couple of two girls and they used to play guitar all the time. So I don't really have vivid memories of that, but my parents always told me like, oh, you know, we had you at this kindergarten and they used to sing to you guys and play guitar. So I think that was my first exposure to guitar. And then I do remember, I always wanted to play guitar since I was really, really young. So when I was three or four, I told my parents I want a guitar. Um, and then they, I think my grandma bought me a guitar when I was four, um, but it was a plastic guitar. And I, my, again, I don't really remember the story, but they said that I, I didn't accept it because it wasn't a real guitar. So they had to buy a wooden guitar. <laughs> so shitty, Dude, shitty kid. This is incredibly similar to my story. I got a plastic cowboy guitar when I was one and a half and there's pictures wow. of me carrying it around. And then when I was three, I asked for, they got me the wood guitar. Yeah. A real nice. guitar. And then when yeah, I was, like when I was six is when I asked for lessons and really started to try, you know, start learning to play. But three is when I got the guitar. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I had the guitar. I didn't really play cause it, yeah. And they, and I always asked them to play. They said I'm too young. And then I think I really started to play guitar when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11, something like that. But I wasn't very serious about it. So honestly, it's interesting because I really wanted to play and I started playing and then I played kind of these like, you know, you know, these uh, chords, you know, like just like really just songs, you know, but nothing much more than that. Just with my friends and kind of campfire vibe. Um, and then I don't know like something happened and all of a sudden I kind of fell in love with music and I, there was like this moment 
I, I started getting a little bit better, nothing crazy. I wasn't very good, but like my teacher's like, oh, let me show you some scales. And then, and then my parents bought like an electric guitar for me from a friend of my brother's. So it was kind of like, looked really cool. And, you know, I didn't really know a lot what to do with it, but you know, I was really excited about it. And then I started like understanding that it's this whole universe. It's like, it felt like there is like a secret world that I, I can't understand that it's just like out there and I want to be a part of. And I was, I felt it so strong. And then I had a few friends that had um, like took lessons with the same teacher that I did. And they were super talented. One guy was kind of from, lived in New York and like, you know, was just a great guitar player. And I, you know, I remember listening to kind of Bach with him when I was, yeah, like middle school. And he was like, oh, you see he's doing B minor too. I was like, whoa, okay. You just listened, you know, it was like, I was blown away because I really didn't understand. And then I was like, okay, okay, I want, I want this, you know, I want to be a part of it. And I really felt outside of the music and that really pushed me. And I basically really started practicing when I was like, yeah, I would say 15, 14, like, you know, like kind of like, okay, let me try and figure it out. And when I was 16, I was like, okay, this is really what I want to do. And then I kind of dropped a lot of things and just practiced as much as possible, basically. Cool. Yeah. And what kind of music like was in your house? What do your parents like to listen to? What, what was the stuff that you were, you know, you know, and around yeah. that time? Yeah, so my parents kind of listened to like some Israeli music and some classical music mainly. Um, my brother listened to a lot of like rock stuff and, and more contemporary, you know, um, things. Uh, he, he's older than me, so he was around. But then when I grew up a little bit more, he went to the army and like, you know, kind of like left the home. Um, and then the thing was when I my teacher, my first teacher was really into jazz. So he kind of had me kind of fall in love with jazz. Um, and then also the friend of my brother is the guy that I bought the guitar from. Um, so he burned a few CDs for me. So I had, and those albums were all jazz albums. So he gave me like Wes Montgomery, John Scofield, um, with this album live with Richard Byrack, like amazing, you know, just some classic jazz stuff. And then, you know, I think I bought like, Pat Metheny and Westman and, you know, just started looping these albums. So I really got into it and I didn't understand anything, but I just like fell in love and just looped it right. like crazy, you know? Nice. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> so you had some friends at least, uh, around your age that were playing and you were hanging out with and kind of had a musical connection with. A little bit. So that's the thing. I grew up in Haifa, so there wasn't a big scene there. Um, and then in Tel Aviv, that's where the big scene was big, whatever, you know, bigger scene. There were more people that play jazz. There were more like places that you can hear and listen to jazz on like a kind of like higher level. And then in Israel, what happens kind of an interesting thing uh, with jazz is that a lot of um, in the 90s, a lot of folks from Israel moved to New York to kind of do their thing. You know, Avishai Cohen, the trumpet player, the bass player, Omer Avital. And then some folks that you may be not as familiar, like, I don't know if you know, uh, Ofer Ganor uh, is this guitar player. He actually did the first Monk Institute. He also toured a little bit with Herbie, you know, like some guys that maybe are not as known, but are incredible 
incredible artist, musician. And so all these folks like him and Amos Hoffman and Ernst Barnoy and these kind of folks um, that really have been to New York for 10 years, you know, and really recorded and played, moved back to Israel to for different reasons, to start their family, to whatever, different. And then that was kind of like the scene in Tel Aviv when I grew up, they were just hanging there and teaching and, you know, doing their thing. So the level was in Tel Aviv, I felt was really, really high. And then my one of my first kind of like jazz encounters, like more seriously, there was this jazz camp I went to when I was like yeah in high school. And then um, it was like, I think like a month or something with like really talented people that came out there. And I kind of just like, yeah, I kind of started to know some things about jazz, but not really, I couldn't play bebop or, you know, I transcribed some things, but you know, didn't really know that much. But um, they brought um, uh, Richard Davis to kind of be there for a week and teach. And that was really amazing, you know, it just like, it was really like intense. And I met a lot of people from that scene in Tel Aviv that were already on, on really good level because they studied jazz in that school um, in, Tel, in Tel Aviv for a while. So that was like, I always felt like a little bit behind. And I don't know, that was something that pushed me a lot, I think, you know, because I felt like I'm like, not as good as the other people. So I got to work more. I still feel that way. <laughs> Well, we all do, man. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you end up in Tel Aviv? Did your family move or did you go there for school? Um, yeah, so when I was 18, I, I basically moved to Tel Aviv and I, I went to study classical composition, actually. So okay. so what happened was like um, I understood like that ears are a big part of the trick in music and I didn't have a lot of background. And basically um, in, okay, but, when I was in Haifa, the school that I went to, the, the high school was kind of art school and I moved to the department for music there, but they only had classical. And there I met like a bunch of just insanely talented people that, you know, practiced piano since they were four. So when we had dictation classes, which was, I didn't even know what it was, you know, it's the first time I went into class, like dictation, what is dictation kind of, you know? And and they were just like competing between themselves, like who wrote it faster? They they like five of them had perfect pitch so they wrote it like this while she was playing the notes you know it was like it was like really like one of my best friends like um he was so like naturally talented you know that i we played this album by bill evans um you know like whilst for debbie for a while and then one morning he just goes to the piano and plays the whole thing from beginning to end <laughs> including the solo and the you know i was like I was like, whoa, okay, I need to practice. You know, it's like really like, I, I was in shock, you know? And then I started working with this, um, with a teacher for harmony and ear training and solfege in Haifa for a few years. Uh, her name is uh, Irina Gelfand. She's really made a lot of things happen for me. And then I continued researching like that area of ear training. So um, there was this teacher, her name is Batsheva Rubinstein which was the head of the composition department in Tel Aviv University. So then I went there uh, basically to study with her more than anything else. But yeah, I studied I basically the BA in classical composition. Mm -hmm. And what did, uh, what did your parents think when it became obvious, you know, this was the path you were, you were on and, you know, you're going to college for this. And, and, you know, it was, there was, they, you know, once we make this decision, that's it. This is what we're doing with our life. How'd they feel? 
Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I think they were actually very, very, very supportive. There was a moment before I kind of got very serious that I remember they talked with that teacher, Irina, um, and they were like, do you think it's possible for him to be a musician? <laughs> or something like that, you know, they were like, generally kind of asking like, is this like, is this, is he good enough kind of, can, yeah. can he do it, you know? Um, and I don't even remember exactly what she said, but you know, I think, I think she was like, yeah, you know, I think like he wants it, you know, I really, I really cared, you know, I really like, I didn't, I feel like a lot from a lot of perspectives, um, yeah, I started like late, you know, whatever, like 15, like to really start practicing compared to those classical folks, you know, it's like, whoa, okay, you have a lot of catch up to do. And also ear, ear training wise, like I wasn't in the beginning, I remember just like, well, okay, these are things I don't even know. Yeah. Theory, you know, I didn't know a lot about these things. So I had to like dive in, which I definitely did, you know, and then I, I learned a lot, but it was like a process of like, okay, let me really figure it out. So um, yeah, they were supportive. They were very supportive eventually. I mean, not eventually, they were supportive. It just like concerned a little bit, you know, cause I mean, yeah, I mean, I, if, if I had kids, if, or when, you know, and they would want to be musicians, I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I know the, the feeling. I mean, my son is not a musician. He's in a, a but a, a field that's quite similar as far as, you know, the level Acting, of, yeah commitment required and uh, the rejection that happens based off of it and all the things. And, you know, it's an artistic field and he's quite successful at it. But at first I was against it, you know, but it was once he became clear, he had a passion for it. Well, I, there's nothing I could say at that point, because again, it would be so hypocritical. I knew I was going to be a guitar player when I was, you know, 10 years old. So it's like, yeah, yeah there's no, there's no way I could say anything just to anybody about something like that. Um, and it's obvious, man, with you, obviously you were willing to work hard at it. You can, I mean, it could tell just from listening to you, you know, lay out your steps and, and, and all the things you went through. And I could see it when I watch your videos, when you explain things and when you teach, it's fun for you to talk about this stuff. You just love music. Um, and it comes across in the way that you talk about music and yeah, you care you care about it a lot you know it's it's very obvious yeah and i think i feel like you know because i was always really concerned and if i can really play guitar if i can if i remember like you know like starting to practice and i, I had this journal and i remember writing i mean i was like again 15 i was like i remember writing something like all I really want to do is be able to solo on Stella by Starlight. This is really all I want. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, it's like, wow, like, okay, this is, you know, I want to tell the, myself, like, dude, it's all good. You, you can make it happen. You know, you can hear it. You can transcribe these things. You will, you will, it's, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of, yeah, ups and downs, but yeah. You can make it happen if you if you try. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Okay, so you're in Tel Aviv. You're taking classes there. You're in a scene now, you know, where there's a lot of good musicians and you're hearing jazz and all that. When when do uh, gigs start to happen for you? Yeah, it started right then. I mean, I also had to work. So I work in like a restaurant, you know, I was, I was kind of working as a cook and like and a bunch of random things 
I was selling chairs in the weekends and whatever. I did anything I could do to get to pay rent, you know, and stuff. Cause did you put off your army service or did you have to do mm. that too in between? Yeah, I, uh, I skipped it. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It was, it's a, it's a whole story, but basically, yeah. When I was 18, you know, you have to go to the army. And I, I realized like, yeah, if I'm going to go for three years now, I will never be a musician. It's like, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to happen. So it was kind of my dream against reality. So I pushed very hard to not do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and basically I joined, I was like the youngest in class at the university because everybody goes to university after, you know, so I was, yeah, I was 18 or 18 and a half when I went to university, like doing my uh, BA in classical composition. Cause yeah, everybody just kind of like does the army and then chills out for a year or two and then starts studying. It's kind of later in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I was kind of basically making some money on like side jobs, you know, and practicing as much as I can and trying to play with people. And then gigs started to happen. Like I, I started finding some things and I was also proactive. Like, you know, I was trying to, I understood that I need to surround myself with music. So, you know, I tried to do as much, right? So I went to like, yeah, I tried to meet people to play with. And then I tried to find some gigs like in a coffee shop or a restaurant. Cause then I knew I can hit up like a drummer and a bass player. You know and then i can play more <laughs> and 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 then like maybe i'll write some songs and then we'll have a rehearsal which means another time you can play so you know i did all these actions to just like push myself to be in an environment that supports music um yeah yeah and i mean you obviously you know during that time when we're that age and we're that intense on focus <laughs> You know, and that you would grow so fast, like just literally every week is like leaps and bounds. So when does the decision go? You know, obviously the the, the logical move, you, you already said so many other guys you knew went. When when do you decide to go to New York? And I think it was, did you go to new school? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, I was I was there and I heard these like stories about people going to New York and it, I can't express how far it sounds and how <laughs> like, m like amazing and wild and wow. He went like, it's just, it's like, I remember that feeling. It's like, I heard like, Oh yeah, this guitar. Yeah. He went to New York, man. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's like he made it just going to New York. He made it, you know, it's like, wow. So for me, it was like a dream that I didn't even dare to dream for, for some time. And then when I was in school, you know, I studied classical composition, but I really, I, I did my homework and I did all the work, which is also a ton of work, but I really practiced, you know, I practiced and took lessons and played with people and transcribed solo. So I, my main focus was always jazz. It was never, I never wanted to be a classical composer. Of course, I gained a lot of tools and I, I learned a lot of things in the process. And that was, you know, the idea to get better with music. So kind of around the middle, after a year or two, I was like, you know, I was like, maybe I can transfer. I was like, okay, maybe it's possible to do this transfer. And then I wasn't sure. And then I, I did an audition, I think, to new school when I was like on my third year and I got in and I got some scholarship, but it wasn't enough for me to actually travel because I, I didn't have a lot of money and the scholarship just didn't cut it for me. And my parents couldn't afford because the numbers are different. You know, it's like, whatever, they have a decent job in Israel, but it's like, yeah, they 
in Israel, education is free, basically, you know. The university that I went to was like, you know, 10,000 shekels a year, which is like maybe $3,000, and I got like 50% like scholarship on top of that. So it's like, you know, I paid 1,500. And I think my parents helped me with that, you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah, yeah it's different numbers. Um, and so, so for people in Israel, it's like this new school was $25,000, just unimaginable, yeah. um, you know? And or thirty, it was like twenty eight or something like that. You know, it's just like crazy. So for us, for me and my family, it was just like, yeah, unless I really get a huge scholarship, like there's no way I can go there. So I basically did the auditions again a year after. I, no, basically I decided to finish the degree and then audition again. So I, I waited another year. Um, I finished the degree. I, I did auditions and then I flew to the U.S. Actually, because the first time I didn't fly, I just kind of submitted the tape. Gotcha. Um, and then in person, I think it was also a better idea to just like, yeah, be there if possible, you know. So I did NEC, Juilliard, and the new school, and um, maybe Berkeley as well. I think I got into NEC, Berkeley, and new school. Juilliard, I didn't get in. I was at the last round, and I was kind of excited about it, but it didn't happen. Um, and then and then with new school, they really gave me great scholarships. So I that was the best place financially, so I just went for that. Nice. Was that yeah. your first time in the States just for that audition or had you been over? Um, no, it was the second time. The first time I went, I went for like, I think two weeks or something. Um, also because, yeah, I was curious about New York, you know, and I was, I think I was already, I started studying at like in television, so probably like 18 or 19. I went here for, I, I crashed at a friend of uh, my family like probably inconveniently for them but I was like great I'll crash here for a week or two great yeah. um and yeah I just went to shows and 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 you know it it was kind of magical I was like wow this is different a different reality you know I can yeah. yeah I can imagine I mean all right so when you get to new school <laughs> how much is the school the most important part or is it the going out every night you know and seeing shows and getting in yeah the yeah, so, you know, I did, I made a mistake, I think, because I really just, when I was in school, I was kind of practicing all the time. Like, I got there at like 8 a.m. and practice until, like, I couldn't practice anymore. Mm. Like, so I went out, I went to see some shows, but I didn't go to a lot of jam sessions because I was kind of like scared. Um I went to some and then it wasn't that consistent and I did want to some shows and I also didn't have a lot of money to go to shows, but you know, it was, it was like a rougher situation for me financially. Cause yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of like ate rice and vegetables, you know, just cooked because yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, and, and I think like if I, I wasn't, yeah, I, I was almost like a different person. I was like very, very sh like not feeling comfortable uh, in my skin, you know? So it took me some time to like get more comfortable. And I think um, I got a little better with guitar and felt more comfortable after maybe two years or something. And then I started playing a little bit more gigs. And um, and I think the biggest thing that happened was when I, I actually stopped, like when I finished new school, cause then I kind of told myself like, okay, like you're in New York, you just been here for three and a half or something, four years. And like, you're either gonna do something or you're just gonna go home. It's like, that's like, you know, 
I was making, I was playing some gigs. It was, it was cool, but it's, you know, not a lot of money. It was always kind of stressful in that regard. And it's like, you know, and some people are like, oh yeah, he's, you know, can play some stuff. But I don't know, nothing really happened, like, you know, major. And, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to make an album and just go for it. So then I just decided that I'm going to go to jam sessions every night, like literally. And I'm consistent. So if I say every night, I went every night, <laughs> you know, I was like, 9 p.m. to like 4 a.m. every night um and then and then i made the album and then you know then started playing some gigs and some tours started to happen and i was like wow i can tour okay how does that work you know so i started trying to understand that and started working with some promoters and some little booking agents and some stuff like that and you know you know <laughs> well, what's okay so when you decided to make that record i mean obviously you said you've been writing songs and stuff since before you moved to new york and but when you were in, in new school and once you got to new york was the thought always kind of heading towards your own thing or was the thought kind of that you know you were just going to be a guitar player yeah I, I always wanted to do like my my thing like i always my dream was is um I, I right now i have two dreams almost or three because at the moment when i went to school and when i went to a new school i mean really all i cared about is jazz i mean i met okay like i was so out of contact with anything else except jazz and some classical music that it's just ridiculous i mean i we were playing this gig in the lower east side with uh, colin stranahan and um i forget who was playing bass um for like two, three years. And then one night, one kind of afternoon, it was kind of like a day kind of thing, Sunday. We were playing and, and Colin is like, hey man, it's John Mayer. I'm like, okay, cool. So I go up to him and I was like, hey man, do you want to sit in? And he's like, no, it's cool. And then we start talking. I was like, I'm like, okay, let me know if you want to sit in. It's super chill. And you know, second break, I talked to him again. He doesn't want to sit in, cool. Then I walk back with Colin going back home. I was like, hey man, who, who was your friend? Oh, dude, it was, it was John Mayer. I'm like, hey, yeah, John Mayer, right? So I write down his name, go back home, Google, and like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I really had no clue, like, n like nothing, like right. you know. And the same kind of experience happened a few times with kind of like people like that. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's like, you need to be like just blind to not know what's happening in any other. But that's the thing. I was very kind of tunnel vision. You know, this is what I want to do. I just want this. I, I loop only one album for three months, you know. I went to sleep with the same album on a loop for 24 hours for three months. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's chill. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, so now you're you're getting into a subject that is interesting to me because not just is it isolated to jazz, but it is obviously a common jazz phenomenon where guys get into this jazz headspace and there is no room for anything else you know and and also you're sometimes looked at poorly if you bring too much of anything else in or you spend too much time on anything else you know and, and i've dealt with that in the blues world plenty my whole life when did when did you break bust out of that because obviously you don't conform to that now you know you bring lots of stuff into your playing yeah it was a process i mean and i remember telling myself as well um 
because I didn't have pedals, right? I had like, uh, yeah, I had no pedals and I had a river pedal because one time I did this little tour and there was, I had to play over a bass amp with no reverb, which of course was not the most fun experience. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy a reverb pedal. And then I was like, okay, I'll buy an EQ pedal. And then I remember clearly telling myself like, man, one day you might think that a distortion is a cool thing, but let me tell you, you are, boy, you are wrong. It's like, you know, don't go there. Like, you'll think it's cool. It is not cool. Like, remember this thought right now. Like, this is not cool. You know, and, and I remember like, yeah, I was in school and this is, this was my mindset. You know, I was like, pedals are just garbage. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's just sounds trying to sugarcoat the realness of the notes. Yes. You know, this is like, this was the concept. Like, oh, this is fake. Oh, you know, this song has two chords. It's bullshit. It's like, really? Like this, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like I would judge a song by its harmonic progression. Like the first thing I would, I was obsessed with, I mean, still am, but like, you know, I would listen to a song like, can I write the chords? It's like, oh, okay. You know, I would go to jam session and be like, like listening and be like, kind of like figuring out the, the, the chords, like the, the chart in my head, if I can like hear it and be like, if I need to go play it right now, can I do it? It's like, you know, like a harmonic dictation. So if this song was, you know, not too complex, I'm like, ah, oh, it's bullshit. It's like, it's not a song. <laughs> but you know it's like great man you just like chopped like 95 percent of the world's best music it's like you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean but it is it's such a common thing in in all of especially all these little american music pockets jazz and blues and you know country and everybody kind of what is what's real you know what i mean and it's like you got the guys, the bebop guys who don't respect what comes after and the guys before, yeah. you know, it's like in my world, I had a long period where it wasn't acceptable for me in my mind to play, you know, a two, five, one or a melodic minor scale or something. It was none of these things were allowed. Like, it, you know, all that mattered was bending strings, pentatonic scale, you know, and emotion and and then i would start to finally hear play it took players like you know robin and and you know some guys like that who i was able to hear the respect for the blues that they had and that was what made it okay like wait a minute he's still a blues guitar player it's okay to play this other stuff that i've learned you know what i mean and and it, yeah. it was i needed moments like that of like being assured it was okay not to fuck around with the blues you know yeah, I mean, and, and I think you're like an amazing example for that because you really, yeah, you do kind of both. And it's, you know, when I hear you, I'm saying like, yeah, he's a blues player and beyond. You know, it feels like you're still playing the blues. It doesn't feel like you are in that world and sound and intention, but you just bring all these beautiful colors from, you know, you grab things from different places. And I think that's what's really special about you. You know, it's like, it's clearly you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's always been important to me to sound like me at the heart of it, whatever. So however much new shit I learn or whatever, I still just want it to sound like that blues guy that was obsessed with blues in his, you know, in his bedroom when he was 13 years old. I want to, yeah. that's because that's the heart of me. So whatever I play, I still want it to kind of feel that way. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. It's great. Man, so... Now you've ended up in this place where 
you're, you're bringing so many influences into your playing and into your songwriting. I mean, your records are really diverse. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you've got to break down a wall to, to let that be okay. You know what I mean? Like you said, so that was yeah. very gradual for you. It was gradual, but basically what happened is I really, I don't know. I think it was like, I want to say about five years ago or something like that, four or five years ago, you know, I was basically kind of introduced to hip hop. You know? I, was like, right. you know, I was like, wow, this feels so good. Because for me, you know, in like rap and hip hop, it was like, there's no chord. It's not interesting. It was like, it was just like, I was not interested, not interested. I was like, oh, it's cool. It's like, yeah, sure. Or pop as well. I hated pop. Like anything that was pop, I freaking hated it. I was like, first, it's not the, the content of the chords is like the same. I was like, not interesting. Then, um, you know, rhythmically it wasn't challenging. I, I was like, what, what's in it? I, I didn't get it, you know, <laughs> but now I understand there is so much depth and, and so much intention. Yes, of course not. I don't like any, every pop record, but there's just like a lot of stuff that is amazing, you know? And of course the same, the same goes to, to hip hop and rap. And I started collaborating with different people and, you know, learned to produce and I write for people and do all this, these things. And, you know, it's, it's really just a universe. And, and the same thing that I'm listening to different like hip hop artists and, uh, you know, R and B. So I also check, you know, like Indian stuff and, uh, you know, different classical things. And now I'm getting into this blues mo moment. So I'm checking you out a lot. <laughs> I was just sitting down and transcribe some of your stuff, you know, like literally, like the other day, you know, because like, oh yeah, Josh, yeah, this is the shit. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. I, I think, and then of course you end up, obviously now you've ended up in a place that feels much more, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not want to speak for you, but I'm sure it feels much more like, wow, I've kind of, this is my shit. You know what I mean? And it's such a rewarding feeling when you kind of end up there. But then you always end up with those guys, like I still have the guys, you know, that I grew up with who give me shit, you know, for not playing more blues. And I'm sure yeah. you have guys in New York who are like, can't you just play some bebop for me right now? You know what I mean? I, I like when you used to play yeah. bebop, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, there's always these kind of strings that pull you in a different direction, but I think we need to do whatever we imagine and believe in, you know, I think that's, that's my advice to myself, at least that's what I'm trying to do. And yeah, you know, I'm, the, the album I'm working on right now is like not exactly jazz, not exactly, I don't know. I mean, you're on it, you know, like that song that you were recorded, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, is it That's a jazz song? Kind of, but then you have these odd bars and, and, odd and bars, but I mean, it's still, it's, it's, it's a pop song kind of, you know what I mean? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, yeah, it has like, yeah, because, you know, this song went to transformation because it was kind of an instrumental. We played it kind of in a jazzier way. And then and then I was like, oh, maybe we can write some lyrics. And then my friend wrote some lyrics and, yeah. you know, and then I was like, ah, I want to record this for this album. And then I hit you up, you know, and actually uh, Tim LaFave is recording bass today. So we'll oh, have... great. Great. Yeah. So hopefully... Is he going to play yeah. electric or, or upright? I think electric. I actually didn't ask him. We didn't talk about that. But I suppose he was going to record electric. Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Nice, man. All right. Let's let's uh, let's jump into the 10 questions before we keep getting carried away. Cool. All right. Number one. Do you remember when you started learning and playing? 
what was the first song or lick or little thing that you figured out and you couldn't believe it? Like, I can't believe I just figured this out. And it, you know, it sets the hook. Like, you're hooked forever after that. Like, I can't believe I got at this. Um, interesting, yeah. Um, I think the first thing I really learned that I could play was, you know, uh, sadly, you know, really that so the, that really early. I think I think that was, was one of the first things that I could play. Um, may, I mean, maybe okay, I could play some. Uh, take the pick up, but you know, I I think I could play some chords, but then I think one of the first thing I was like, oh, it's a piece. It was like this. And I was like, wow, it's like, it's something that goes and there's motion. And I was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's cool. It is. And I mean, that's a good piece of music. Even for a first thing, it's a, it is, it's a, you know, as cliche as it is, it's a great piece of music. And It's you know, amazing. I, I used to just like listen to that album and jam with it and not even know what I'm doing. Just like loop it for like hours and just like pentatonic the hell out of whatever I was trying to do. <laughs> that feeling, that feeling when you're able to, you know, for the first time, find the key of the song and just play pentatonics and it works. It is, it's Hell like yeah. you've unlocked the secrets of the world. Yeah. That's so true. I had like an album that a friend of mine gave me, like, um, it was like a Yusuf album, you know, that band. So there was a song, I forget which one now, but I used to like just jam on that. I mean, I, I was disastrous. I, w I couldn't play anything, but I freaking loved it. I had like this like shitty PVM, like, you know, this like thing, like you hit the overdrive, it just sounds like, I was like, perfect. This is all I want. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, number two, do you remember ever learning a solo note for note back then? Like the first one, first solo you ever had to learn all the way, note for note. Yeah, it's a Hank Mobley solo uh, from that album with Miles Davis. Um, it's called, the album is something my, my prince will come and the song is uh, preferencing. I can't even say it. It's like a blues and F. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Hank Mobley. That was the first. Bad yeah, that was the first song I really transcribed. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. What was the first head you ever learned? Do you remember that? Um, I think it was, I think it was, there will never be another you, the, yeah, E flat. Yeah, I think it was that. <laughs> nice. Nice. Number three, what's the first thing you play most times when you pick up a guitar? Do your hands just go autopilot somewhere without thinking about it? Interesting, yeah. Like, you mean like when I warm up consciously you or just like... You pick up a guitar anytime. You uh, pick up a guitar, we all just play, you know. Yeah, like G, kind of like, like kind of like, uh, I think G major. Or G major 7. I, I like this, like, I would kind of like make sure that's like, this feels okay. <laughs> yeah. What about like if you're at a gig, we all have the little things we do to like make sure we're in everything's working when we hit standby for the first time, you know what I mean? And and check everything. 
you have any anything you do to just make sure everything's in order yeah um i'll, I'll play some triads and like open triads to see like that like you know the notes are ringing all over like in different registers like just kind of like open things like and then i'll check like just kind of like a little bit like the bass and and see if like the the balance and then uh like check if it feels good like just transition between the strings i guess yeah kind of like stuff like that nice all right number four what it's interesting i want to know what what you do what what i do when i pick up a guitar well so i used to it used to be an e and i would play the same thing like we get to a gig and i'd hit standby on the amp i would play the same thing all the time so much so that guys would play it back to me before i could play it so i had to change it <laughs> but it's always it's in g now always it's usually something like you know uh, something, something like yeah. that just walking diatonically in g you know yeah. yeah yeah that sounds good yeah but it's usually <laughs> it's usually some variation of that because it helps me just make sure my amps are working my fingers are working everything sounds the way it's supposed to sound you know yeah all that. yeah thank you. yeah um what key style song groove do you kind of hear in your head when you're not doing something like when you're cooking eggs or you know when you're just walking down the street do you have something that always comes back? Like I, I will never stop hearing, you know, a, a shuffle or a swing normally in B flat. That's just what I hear all the time. That's just what I hear. It never goes away. You got anything like that? Yeah, I, I there's some like rhythmic stuff that I'm like keep exploring, and so like a lot of things with five. Like I hear all these like. Like all these like like and yeah sometimes I also try to practice it a little bit like um you know just like kind of like trying to understand what I'm hearing and I'd be like like trying to understand that but it's like I hear all these like like all these or like displacement a little bit like 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 kind of messing around with things if i just walk in the streets yeah <laughs> do you ever pay attention to you know what's the first thing you really think when a piece of music comes on you've never heard before like where your where your thought process goes normally i've been trying to key in on that lately and it's like half the time of course the first thing i do is just start improvising over the top of whatever i'm hearing but but the other half is normally approaching it like sometimes as a session guitar player like hey what's the part i would play right here uh sometimes it's more analytical like what's going on with the melody or the the groove or the the bass but i've been trying to just kind of keep tabs on where my brain goes first and it's always one of those few things. You ever you ever think about that? 
Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you know, just like when people send me stuff to record, especially now in COVID, it's like not always in a studio. So it's like I'm just by myself. I get the chart. Like yesterday, I had to record some stuff. You know, so like I get the chart, I get the music, and I'm like listening. I'm looking at the chart. I'm like, okay, I don't really need to look at the chords. I mean, yes, it's fine, you know, but I I can hear it, and it's like if I look at the chords now, I'll be like thinking about the chords sure. instead of just listening. So I find more and more that like. Especially when there's like all these complex things, like yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need to practice it. Of course, if it's a very complex piece of music, but it's like a lot of times be like, okay, I don't need a chart. Like I look at it, just making sure it's like you know there's nothing insane, or if I don't hear something, but I'll just kind of like turn the chart off, literally just play, mess around, and then be like, okay, I think I hear it, and then I'll record and send. You know, so I feel like I'm trying to bring it to that place of kind of hearing it. Um, yeah. yeah and i guess i'll do... sorry notice like your your first idea like are you always getting an idea like i i noticed when i came here to la and i started doing more session like real sessions you know that i didn't have a lot of experience in coming up with parts you know i had fine ear i could learn the tune i could read the chart no problem but i didn't have a lot of ideas you know to what to play if it said play one six four five i'd play straight up chords shell chords you know one six four five yeah. be like great got it you know like and and then i started like hanging out with other guitar player session guys and realizing you know i needed to have parts come to mind right away you know what i mean as you're listening down um it's amazing how often that first idea is like the, the correct idea that first thing you hear you know yeah interesting yeah i mean most of the stuff that i record yeah i don't know yeah maybe is it the first thing yeah i guess like the, there is something about the first like kind of concept that we hear that is like, strong like if i played you this if you if i send you a track and it just had a bass going What's your first thought <laughs> yeah i mean you know this like brings me to this i mean when you're playing it now i hear like you know i hear this like groove and i'm like okay right away it's clear that i'm not in like uh we're not in like uh you know that's not the world we live in it's gonna be like like it's gonna be a little simpler like kind of like you know not as chromatic, I guess. So I'll be like, okay, it's like illumination. This is not where we are. Okay, you know, and then and then I'll ask myself like, okay, what does the song need? Like, what do I need to do to make it sound better? And, you know, not to prove myself as a guitar player, just like right. support the song, you know, which is, it's hard sometimes because we're like, I always feel like, like, oh yeah, I need to show them I can play guitar. It's like, no, dude, just like, just listen to the music, like make the music happen. I mean, these are thoughts I'm telling myself all the time. It's like, you know, just... Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah, I'm fascinated how somehow I could hear that progression, you know, whatever, one, six, four, five, one, six, two, five, one, two, five, six, four, whatever, any diatonic progression like that, have heard it 8 million times. And yet anytime someone starts playing that, I'll have an idea that I haven't thought of before to play as a part. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not just yeah, yeah. the same part. It'll be like, oh, no, there's something else I hear. 
You know what I mean? It, it may be I should turn on the delay and just have a you know, or whatever. And the next time, maybe I'm just playing eighth notes, you know, or the next. But it's it's amazing how you always just come up with something. It's I'm yeah, fascinated it's, by that. No, it's true. Like, and it's interesting. I think like with music, it's it's like being like creating with people always bring something else out of you that you didn't know it is there and that's why i mean yeah just like working with people in the room is the best or yeah sending music works as well it's just like you hear something that you wouldn't exactly write in that way and then it just triggers something else you know you know or like you you're writing with someone and you kind of like just playing like two chords you're like and they're like stop you're like what i didn't stop that's it it's like what it's like it's two chords yeah. perfect don't do anything done you know yeah, like, doing okay. it by mail is good because your reaction you're reacting to them but then that's it it's closed in the room with everybody else you react to them and then they react back to you and and then you change again and it's yeah i mean that's that's why we do this is for the, that yeah, that's right. unfortunately that's been taken away from us at the moment but hopefully it's coming back soon i got my first shot it hurt like a yeah. motherfucker oh, shit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, my arm hurt for two days after I got the first shot. Oh, damn. Anyways, whatever. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number five. When did you feel like you started to find your voice on the instrument? Was it when you started to let in all those other influences? Do you remember, like, consciously starting to feel like, hey, this kind of sounds like something I haven't heard. Like, this is me. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm still like in the process of looking for me. I don't know. I don't I feel like there are th certain things that that I like and I do, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is like I feel like I can't answer this question. <laughs> um <laughs> Sorry. It's like, yeah, I I'm looking for something. Like sometimes I have I have these dreams about the sound that I'm looking for. <laughs> like I have this like specific dream that came kind of a few times and I'm playing it's like kind of a magical dream so I'm playing guitar and I'm playing these songs that I only know in the dream and I remember them and not fully but it's like this sound and I remember the feeling of locking in with the guitar and just feeling kind of one and discovering this sound that I'm like so I feel like I'm still looking for that like I have that that imagery of that dream memory and i'm i'm kind of chasing that a little bit that's kind of yeah. awesome <laughs> it'll keep you mo it'll keep you uh, going i hope so <laughs> all right number six what do you consider your biggest weakness as a guitar player um i think um the blues i think I think like I don't know enough guitar guitar like really like I feel sometimes you know like um yeah and, and you're like you know the monster of guitar like you know like you have this like sound and and facility that is amazing and it's really kind of like exactly con it's not a contrast but it's just like very different than what I have in mind you know as a guitar it's like it's like my my guitar is not I, like i'm playing like less it's guitar but it's not as guitar -y as guitar 
You know what I mean? Like most of the people I trust. Guitari, because it's so silly, but it is. That's a thing we say. It's like a very guitari thing to do. You know, we say that a lot, but it it is a thing. Like, there's a physical aspect to to this instrument. That is. Yeah, and yeah. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that I transcribe and listen and checked out are really like yeah jazz, and then there isn't. You know, even Wes and Pat Metheny's like guitar, but it's really not as much guitar as, you know, whatever, B.B. King and what all, all the masters. It's like there is no like, you know, I don't know. I can't even fucking do that. But, you know, all that stuff is like stuff I'm like, oh, this is guitar. Like, it's, it's stuff that I... I was I was kind of ashamed almost to do. So I feel like now I'm like trying to learn that language of like really like that. I don't have it, you know, as much. And I feel this is like a big part of the instrument that I'm still missing out on. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's definitely a very jazz guy thing because um you can i in jazz it's funny because blues i mean jesus christ blues is the heart of jazz music but but like you end up with this whole scene of jazz musicians who i don't want to say don't they don't dislike blues but they almost just kind of gloss past it very quickly you know what i mean and yeah, of course, and there is a big difference, you know, I transcribe a lot of blues lines from like the jazz folks, but it's different, like, the, it's like, it's like, this is, this is different, this is not, this is not what you do with like, whatever, you know, like, this is, you know, not that I'm doing it right, but you know what I mean, like, the sound and the intention and the, the bending and the, the, velocity that you hit the guitar is very different even the instrument you know it's like this is cool but it's not like it's not the right instrument for that music almost yeah i mean blues is like you said blues is something there's an intangible aspect involved with blues that has it has a physical side to it that you have to just it, it takes some sort of physical effort um and yeah it just takes this other half of like I, it, it is it's here you know what i mean it's here and yeah. it's a hard thing to yeah. explain I, i've gotten into this conversation with lots of my jazz friends because unlike you some jazz friends are more snobby about blues than others you know what i mean and so mm -hmm. I, i'm always willing to have this argument with them when when, nice. when when they get that way you know because i'm not going to let anybody disrespect blues in my in my perfect yeah. You know, so there's a guy I know it's happened a few times who who will kid me and say things like, man, Josh, I always feel like you're you're holding back and you know more stuff than you play on guitar. And just once I'd love to hear you play a whole night, you know, more like a jazz guy without all that blues, you know, or, or play a solo without any blues in it. And it's like, man, I'll never, ever in my life play a solo without some blues in it. Because I don't want to yeah. listen to that solo, you know. Yeah. And it, I think there is a disconnect in it sometimes with some jazz guys, uh, 
It just, which is weird to me, because again, it's the foundation of the music. It's it's more than a foundation. I think it's not just jazz foundation. I think that it's one of the foundations of like our culture and music in general. It's the pentatonic, and it's that's like, I mean, it's, that's that's like it's so deep that it's it's like yeah, it's it has so many layers of of kind of microtonal things that are are amazing you know and in jazz you don't have it because it's like kind of like piano it's like you know tempered in a way and blues is is yeah it's more human because it's not tempered so i think this is why a lot of magic can happen with one or two notes because it's not really one or two notes it's actually like 25 notes with like <laughs> micro bending and things like that you know you know what you are you're 100 percent correct with that yeah all right number seven who's a huge influence on your guitar playing that people would be surprised to hear. Um, surprised to hear. I mean, Hank Mobley. I don't know. For me, is like one of my biggest heroes. Um, I transcribe a lot of Hank Mobley. Man, he he was very. What's the word? He, he this is going to sound ridiculous, but the, the thing I like about him is he reminded me of like Clapton. He is very like deliberate in his playing. You know what I mean? It's Which... so clear. It's like, he's just saying it how it is. You know, he's like, it's like almost like too much in your face. It's like how you just, he's just telling everybody he loves them all the time, but, but he's saying it and he means it. So I guess he does. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And it's like, he's just playing all these like, like okay i guess it's true <laughs> <laughs> it you know 100 percent is very direct you know and he was a guy that i w was a bridge for me when i was listening to miles he stuck out because i could understand a lot of what he was playing obviously compared to some other guys maybe that's the same mm -hmm. for you and because yeah. it was so direct uh it was like i could hear a link from him to like the guys i were hearing on much earlier recordings like charlie christian stuff and and then even in the in the blues and r&b world like you know fathead newman and lester young stuff like hearing what they are playing at the very beginnings of you know playing through changes and stuff i heard a link there yeah i'm with you on that yeah <laughs> yeah all right number eight uh, this may be interesting for you because you you're so depend not dependent but you're used to that guitar in a gig, would you rather have a great guitar and a shitty amp or a great amp and a bad guitar? Great guitar and a shitty amp, yeah. Okay. Like, no. All right. All right. Yeah, I played, I think, on a lot of shitty amps. We did a tour with only PA with no amps one time. Oof. That's tough stuff, man. Yeah, that was really like, I was like, wow. And then one night we had an amp, I was like, ah, this is how it feels. Ah, okay. <laughs> interesting now let's just uh for, you know without going crazy because you've got videos about your guitar but just tell everybody about the howard roberts man because everybody knows the the howard roberts fusion with the finger tail piece behind it but not enough people know about these howard roberts models yeah so this is a cool one um basically when i was um yeah in a new school i had my guitar uh refretted or something 
And cause like I wore the Fritz, it was like a Gibson one, 175 or something, you know, I just got it cause I thought it's jazz and it's a cool guitar, you know? Of course. If you moved to New York, you, you can't go with, without a 175. I mean, that's just like a, yeah. a law. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, um, it was really actually a very nice guitar. I mean, whatever. And then I refretted it. And when the guy referred it, it took him like a week and I, I had a few gigs, you know, and, and I was like, man, I don't know what to do. It's like, yeah, it's kind of a long time. It's like, let me just borrow you. So he basically gave me his guitar. He had another guitar, you know, and the guitar he gave me was this one was like, not exactly this one, but just, you know, Howard Roberts. And I was like, and I kind of fell in love with it because the sustain was a little better. And then I basically sold mine for like, you know, a little bit more than the Howard Drivers because this was kind of cheap comparably. It was like yeah. 1900 or 1800, something like that, you know, a little bit less than 2K. So in jazz terms, you know, compared to the 175, it's cheaper. So I was like, great, I'll get some money back and have another guitar that I want more. So I did that. And then I started messing around with it. Um, well, let me tune this, sorry. All right, so so basically, um, I always I was curious about having some acoustic kind of sound to it, like kind of more wood. So I added a microphone. Um, and then I can I can kind of balance it or more. So it has this kind of sound, um, and then I also installed uh, a, a piezo pickup, so I can blend it. Uh, or just the piezo, this is kind of a mix, this is just the... Just the piezo, and this is, and you can kind of blend them all, so you can have the piezo and the microphone and the pickup. Yeah. Anyway, so for different things, it it, it helps, and then um, there is a MIDI pickup that I. Yeah, you know, I can't activate it right now because I need the whole setup. But basically, yeah, it's MIDI, so you know you can do a lot with it. Um, especially when you do some, we did some gigs, and we need like I don't know, I wanted like a little synth sound behind, you know, just kind of like a little bit. So it helps to have yeah, as a not a big band like with three you know guitar, bass, drums, you can just get more stuff. So I always kind of do the two amp thing so it goes stereo and with the midi in the background you know so you get like this kind of rich full sound yeah um and then you know i mess around a little bit with pedals because i mean i believe that you know uh, in contrast to what i thought <laughs> when i was in new school just like yeah you can get a lot of colors and just a lot of sounds and you know i love sounds so you know it's just fun to whatever you know just messing around so you can just get more ideas and and with certain bands or center 
certain you know settings you need different things i was playing the other day just this kind of gig we used to do every monday with producer monday so ray angry on keys you probably know ray right i've met him before yeah yeah so ray and uh this this girl camila gibson the great vocalist oh she's actually singing on the track that you recorded oh cool she's the singer and then um yeah just kind of like this kind of hip-hoppy band you know so then like yeah you need some like weird sounds at times or just like a little little thing you know to kind of like just get a vibe in so you know it helps it's a cool guitar man it's it's an underrated one so for people who don't know they should check out the howard roberts and and if they don't realize there's a big sound hole blocked where is it yeah where that is so it's yeah. like yeah it's an interesting guitar it's like a 175 with a big hole and a single neck pickup yeah yeah and the, and i think just the the scale is kind of like there is a lot of sustain which i like i think some of the jazz that the ones and five just the sustain of the note is not as great and this is you know just better acoustically just because is, the pickup is in the right spot compared to a 175 i always hate on a 175 the neck pickup is not up against the neck it's in a weird position it's my least favorite thing yeah maybe 175. Yeah, maybe that's the, the reason. All right, number nine. Yeah. What keeps you motivated to, you know, continue improving and pushing forward in the new stuff? Because you're constantly, you know, making yourself better. You're constantly improving your sounds, your writing, your production, your skills. You know, what keeps you just, just on that path? I mean, you've now been doing it a long time between the school years and now the artist years, it's like you're always pushing yourself to be better. How do you keep that motivation? Yeah, I'm just extremely excited about guitar and music. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes it's like I have different periods that I feel better and worse about life and everything, you know. Um, but in general, like, you know, if I have a moment that I'm kind of like darker, and don't feel like I don't know what to do. So then I'll just go back to the records that I love. You know, I'll I'll play like the stuff that I just like. You know, that just like I just want to cry. You know, just like I'll play like this Red Mellow album. I'll play this West Montgomery album. I'll play this like Hank Mobley, and I'll be like, and I'll be like, okay, this is the truth. And then sometimes I'll be in this analytical moment. I'll be like, okay. You know, I listen to Keith Jarrett or something. I'll be like, "Why is it so freaking good? Like, what's actually good about it?" You know, like, because you're like, "Oh, he's a genius." And like, okay, I don't want to deal with that kind of word. You know, I just want to understand why this music sounds good. So I'll be like, I'll write down on a piece of paper, like, okay, the sound of the piano, and then I'll be more specific. I'll be like, "What's good about the sound? Like, why do I like it?" You know, and so on and so forth. And then I'll be like, okay, like he's doing, like this song is amazing. It's like, why is it amazing? Oh, he's playing this intro. Okay, intro. What's happening? In, is it in time? Is it not in time? Is it in the key? What is he doing? Is he playing the melody? No, he's playing the melody, but he's kind of changing it. Okay, what exactly? And then he's playing this blues league. Oh, blues league. Okay, I can do that. Okay, blues league intro. You know, so I'll start kind of like writing elements that, that make the music the music without even being too specific, you know? And then I can, and then I, I'll have like a list of things I wanna practice, you know? Be like, oh, I wanna like understand how to do intros. So then every day I'll work on intros for like some time, you know, for a period of time. Or I'll be like, now I'm super into this like uh, 
more voice leading and this kind of counterpoint stuff. So I'm like just checking a lot of this stuff out and practicing it kind of like more almost classical jazz way. But then I just discovered, I was like, you know, listening to you and a bunch of other blues players because it's like, I'm just working on this kind of like, yeah, classical mode of like, you know, like all the things you are just with some motion yeah. and then I'll be like okay actually when you guys play the blues you know you do all these like all these like kind of like voice leading with some chromatic stuff but it's a hundred percent like voice leading oh, yeah. 100%. it's like all these like like little things that kind of feel and I was like oh like all these links, you know, are, are there. So I just get very excited about it. Yeah. Well, that's the part that's, I mean, the excitement, that's just the part that I hope never goes away. Cause it is, it's what, what, what keeps me going every day. Like, Oh my God, did you hear that? I got I got to figure that out. Oh my God. That wouldn't, and, and not just that, then the analytical side takes over. It's kind of like you. And what is that that makes that so cool? You know what I mean? I got to know why, why is that so cool? You know, why did I like it? Why did it, catch my attention and so yeah hopefully that never goes away yeah i think it will never go away i feel like the more we learn the more we know we don't know you know it's like yeah you know it's like yeah i mean some things are easier you know like some things and then you're like like yeah but you know zakir hussein like okay you know it's like okay what's happening there like it's like okay you know or or like sitar music it's like oh wow okay or Bulgarian music in like 11 a like what what okay it's like, yeah. crazy yeah. yeah all right number 10 where do you want to be in five years man do you have a plan or do you do you more have a you know do you go with the flow is it like do you have some specific goals you want to achieve or is it just kind of keep going where and see what happens yeah it's a really good question um so I started working with uh, with a manager, uh, I don't know, six, eight months ago, something like that, like 2020. And this was one of the things we talked about because I never really had a long-term plan. I'm just like, I just want to play more gigs. <laughs> like my goal was always like, I mean, it still is. Like, I just want to be playing shows and making music with people, for people. Like that's ultimately all i want to do i want to play guitar with people for people as much as i can possibly play yep yeah that's like what i want and then um and yeah so we talked about that and i guess like i mean for me i think there are a few avenues that i'm excited about one is like um you know the album that that you are a part of like kind of like not exactly jazz um maybe that song is not jazz at all, but you know, there are certain songs that are more jazzy and, um, but it's always vocals and it's like this, like more approachable band. So I'm very excited about that project and, um, I'm mixing it next in two weeks. So I'm really trying to finish a couple of things. Um, and, and basically, yeah, I'm really excited to go on tour and start doing that. Um, I'm also, I also wrote, a new jazz album that I want to record. So I finished like the music and we did a few rehearsals a couple of months ago, but now I kind of like moved my attention to this project. 
So I'm really excited to like kind of restart that jazz trio thing separately. So there's like clear two bands, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited also to maybe like, um, produce more like I'm doing now, but just like with more, you know, that producing world. I mean, I guess like a lot of things just like kind of the same, just bigger and more, you know, like the YouTube stuff. Yeah. I'm excited about that too. You know, just like collaborating and doing stuff that I kind of believe in and just like, hopefully people will relate to that and just continuing that process. Um, I guess the biggest thing is like, yeah, those two projects, like the jazz thing and that project, like just kind of like trying to bring that to life um, more. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, dude, we did it. That's the 10 questions. Um, there'll be links to all things wrote him in this video. Uh, you got to check out his YouTube channel because he's doing incredible content on there. Uh, he also dove in headfirst in this pandemic, <laughs> the same that I did, and he's killing it over there. But please buy his music. Also, he just went to True Fire and did his first True Fire course. Buy that because it's ruling. Um, just support my friend and a great artist. Uh, dude, thank you for doing this, man. It's a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Man, thank you. It's really a big honor to be here. I mean, uh, again, I'm a big fan of you and your music, you know, and it's it's just always great to hang and to talk about music, and thank you. So. Likewise, man. And for, for the rulers, we'll be back in a second for their turn, too. But if you're not a ruler, please become a ruler, or at least subscribe. Hit the subscribe button, but we'd love for you to be a ruler, become a member. Anyways, we'll be right back. <laughs> 